The Lord be with you. Good morning, friends. My name is John Crawford. I'm a church planner in residence here at the table. And if you're curious about what that means, so are we. We're figuring it out as we go. I'm also a part of our College of Preachers, and today we'll be proclaiming with you some good news out of Isaiah this morning. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been proclaiming good news from Isaiah this past two-ish months, Advent and Epiphany, and we continue into Isaiah's rich imagery this morning. Here are a few bits from our passage out of Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them, and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, the pointing finger and the malicious talk, if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Friends, today we proclaim the good news that the God of restoration meets us in reality. As we move into the places in need of justice and reconciliation in our lives, God proclaims, here am I. In our early marriage, Marissa and I led a small group at a church we were a part of. We were a bunch of young 20-somethings who really liked hanging out together. So with constant game nights, other events on top of small group, we often found ourselves hanging out two to three nights a week, if not more. We valued being open as a group to welcoming new folks, saying there's always room for another chair, there's always room for another person to come. That worked really well for us, as long as the folks that joined us were like us. Worked really well. Every once in a while, somebody would come, and they weren't like us, and eventually they would just stop coming, and so we kept doing what we did. It's how, we, it's how our group functioned. One day, a couple came, who honestly were just very different from us. They had a different background from our group of folks, socially, socioeconomically, uh, among other just personality difference. And to be honest, they were just really hard for us to be around. Their woundedness mixed with ours created this cocktail that was just kind of hard. But we kept going, business as usual, assuming that one week they just wouldn't show up. But they did, every week. They even came to the game nights. They shared deeply with us what was going on in their lives, and this is the part of the story, friends, that I wish I could tell you a redemptive story about how we all grew together in the love of Christ and lived happily ever after as a small group. But we didn't. As Marissa and I reflected on that group last night, we reflected on it seems like the best imagination we had for how to handle them in our lives was to keep them at a safe distance, arms length away from us, Sometimes they would host a game night and the rest of us would have a conversation outside of the group chat to make sure somebody else was going so we wouldn't land there by ourselves. I know, I know, not good. Every week, as a leader of this group, I still invited us into spiritual practices. We did Lectio Divina, we explored ourselves and God through the Enneagram. We talked about a kingdom of God that is present now and how that affects our everyday life. But we continued to live with a couple in a way that separated our spiritual selves from the actual reality of the people that were in our life. 
We built this separation because it felt safer to us. Eventually, this group ended up fading away, and I'm not sure where this couple is today. Again, I wish I could paint you a picture, but it just isn't. So maybe, as I speak of that, you think of stories in your own life. Maybe even current day examples for you of couples that you don't have an imagination for anything other than this. Or other things in your life, you have no imagination for anything other than this. It's into those places, friends, and many others that we proclaim the good news today, that the God of restoration meets us in reality. As we move into these places in need of justice and reconciliation in our own lives, God proclaims, here am I. Text today out of Isaiah paints for us a few different ways this picture of good news. Here in Isaiah 58, Israel has returned to their homes after years and years of being exiled. They've come back and they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding their daily lives, the places that they are, and they're rebuilding themselves as the people of God. Now we're out of exile. What does it mean for us to be the people of God here in this place? They're rebuilding. Concerning their habits and rhythms of worship, fasting and ways of seeking God, seems that they're doing pretty good. In verse 2, it says that day after day they seek God and want to be known. They want to know his ways. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not sure day after day is how you would necessarily describe my seeking. So an A plus for them. Yet, within that context, God is saying to Isaiah to sound a trumpet and make it clear to them their rebellion. It's hard to imagine how fasting and humbling of oneself is rebellion. So what's God so turned up about? In verse 2 and 3, Isaiah says that the Israelites are asking God for just decisions, for him to come near to them. And then they ask, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? And then God answers, and he's got a laundry list. Here's my bullet-pointed version for you guys. So sure, you're fasting, but on your fast days, you're exploiting your workers. You end it by quarreling with one another. You strike each other with wicked fist. You point fingers, you talk bad of one another, and then this one really stuck out to me. You're ignoring your own flesh and blood, which in ancient Israelite means either you're just ignoring people altogether, or you're continuing to live as you want to and pretending and hoping that somebody else is just going to take care of it. They'll deal with it. Somebody else can deal with that. That's what he's upset about. God, who is on about restoration, had invited the people of Israel into a holistic restoration, to come back and rebuild their lands and ways of being the people of God that was holistic for their entire lives. Yet, God and Isaiah are pointing out here that they have done all these great spiritual things, but are ignoring their actual lives of quarreling, exploiting, ignoring the oppressed, the hungry, the poor, and the naked. Yikes. In other words, sure, they're fasting, but they're doing so in a way that separates their spiritual lives from the actual realities of injustice and unreconciled relationships that are happening all around them? Does this practice of a people of God separating their spiritual lives from the reality of the world around them, experiencing injustice and unreconciled relationships, sound familiar to anyone? Maybe here's a few places I see it happening in our church broadly here today. One is we constantly find ourselves in the news speaking at how God sides with our camp, not that other camp, who happens to be claiming the, other th the same thing. Maybe we have our Love Thy Neighbor t-shirts and wall paintings and coffee mugs, yet we still find ourselves asking, who is our neighbor and what's their name again? 
We start our mornings off with our quiet time, and when our three-year-old interrupts, we are anything but quiet in our response. No? Just me? We preach the sanctity of marriage, but find the rates of divorce, misogyny, and abuse the same and reflective as our culture. We speak of racial reconciliation and justice, yet we often are homogenous organizations unaware of the injustices that we perpetuate. We speak of God in moving in the global refugee and houseless crisis in our world, but our doors are often found shut. Friends, I speak these things and I quickly find myself overwhelmed. And I wonder what you feel. I feel like I'm standing by myself in the face of these huge and everyday realities. I feel this tremendous weight. I find myself believing that to begin to address them would mean the only possible outcome is for me to be crushed underneath them. I would end up having to do this on my own with no help to come and I don't feel strong enough to do it. I begin to wonder if I move into these areas from the hard to love couple at my dinner table to all the ways that I perpetuate racism without knowing it, will God even show up? I know that he is with me when I pray and I journal and I hope that my sending money to certain organizations is doing good work. And honestly, I think it is. I think God's in those things. So then it's easier to stay here then where I can rest in knowing what is safe, what's easy to do, than to begin to move into these areas of justice and reconciliation. How about you? What do you find it easier to turn to instead of moving into these things? Today, into that space of feeling overwhelmed, frightened, weighed down, empty in the face of it all, we proclaim the good news that the God of restoration meets us in reality. As we move into the places in need of justice and reconciliation in our lives, God proclaims, here am I. In verse 9 and 10, again, it says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help. He will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. This good news, this way of living, is a part of what we're working on here at the table, to build a life together and a spirituality that proclaims, among other things, that God meets us in the everyday, gritty, practical, tangible places of reality. He meets us right where we are, in the midst of what is real. We practice this, and as part of the answer, to see less stories like the one I shared from our small group years ago. It's an invitation that our reality and spiritual lives are and can be the same. Yes. It's this truth that God meets us here in the realities of our thoughts, our feelings, and in the exact people we are with that gives us the tools to name what is happening and to begin moving towards reconciliation and justice in those things. We are working to build a robust spirituality that holds even in the hardest parts of our lives because those are the realities that God meets us in. So here, in reality, today, we are not alone. We will not be crushed. We will not turn up empty. Because today, we proclaim the good news that the God of restoration meets us in reality. 
As we move into the places in need of justice and reconciliation in our lives, God proclaims, here am I. I want to share a quote um, from a favorite pastor of mine. His name is Eugene Peterson. And um, if I were to unfairly summarize his life work, it was to invite the people of God into this sort of spirituality. Spirituality that was not high, but of every day. This is what he says. We don't grow and mature in our Christian life by sitting in a classroom in a library, listening to lectures and reading books, or going to church and singing hymns and listening to sermons. We do it by taking the stuff of our ordinary lives, our parents and our children, our spouses and friends, our workplaces and fellow workers, our dreams and fantasies, our attachments, our easily accessible gratifications, our depersonalizing of intimate relations, our commodification of living truths into idolatries, taking all of this and placing it onto the altar of refining fire, our God is a consuming fire, finding it all stuff redeemed for a life of holiness, a life that is not reserved for nuns and monks, but accessible to every Dick and Jane in every congregation. Just yesterday, uh, my wife invited me into this practice, living out this good news for herself. She's brought up this idea a few times, but has shared with me that sometimes when she speaks an idea to me or a thought or something that I've been thinking about, that if she's not able to speak it with the exact right language that I'm thinking about it, I write it off. Ah, you missed it. No, not quite that. And you're all feeling what I wished I had felt like years ago when she started bringing this up. It's happened literally yesterday. She helped me work out the kinks in our sermon over lunch. And by work out the kinks, I mean if she would be more comfortable with it, she should be up here preaching the sermon she wrote. <laughs> She spoke this to me and asked me to listen, to listen to what she had to say then and there, even though it wasn't processed fully, which is a newer thing for her and I both. Our typical pattern is to feel something, just let it bubble, let it simmer, and then, but do the Christian thing. We're going to go over here, we're going to pray about it, we're going to find peace, and then we can bring it to you, which actually was just allowing and us going away to try and get it so that we wouldn't rile each other up and hope maybe the other changed, or I changed. That's what we were doing. But what she did is she moved in without it having been worked out. She moved into the reality of where we were in that moment as we ate lunch and asked me to be there with her. And I think we heard God say, here I am. We're practicing moving towards one another, and we're trying to practice this in our everyday, and hopefully we'll continue to practice it with you, our community. Yesterday it went well, tomorrow it may not. Probably won't, if I have anything to do with it. But we are moving towards one another, believing the good news that the God of restoration meets us in reality. And as we move into the places in need of justice and reconciliation in our lives, God proclaims, here am I. What area of your life needs this good news today? Where do you sense the Spirit prompting you a need for justice and reconciliation? Maybe it's in your family life, a gap between you and someone that feels to be growing ever wider. Maybe it's the systemic racism that seems to plague our communities, but is still reduced to debates and held at arm's length. 
Maybe it's relationships at work that you have no imagination for what reconciliation may even look like or even justice. Maybe it's the way you see our ever-growing political divide, currently dividing the communities and groups you're a part of. Maybe it's someone here in our community today that you're having a hard time with imagination and how reconciliation works and could become true. What is it for you, friends? Today, into those things, we declare the good news that the God of restoration meets us in those realities, that reality that you feel. As we move into the places in need of justice and reconciliation in our life, God proclaims, here am I. In a moment, we're going to take some time to respond to this good news together, here and now. Uh, somebody's going to come and lead us in a prayer of response and prayer of the people. Can I tell you what we're not doing when we do that? What we're not doing is throwing magic dust in the air, hoping somebody does something about the thing that I said. We're not emptying and separating ourselves from what's happening and just speaking it and saying that's enough. I think what's actually happening is we're allowing the Spirit to name and convict our hearts to the places where justice and reconciliation are possible. Then, naming, as a community, hear our prayer so that we together are sent from this place towards seeing in all the images that Isaiah used, the light shine, the streets rebuilt, healing occurred, homes rebuilt, and God to say, here am I. We move out of this place beginning to proclaim the good news with our actions that God is present, even in those places. Let's pray.